0: Hi there, and welcome to a new podcast called The Fifth Down. My name is Luke Collins. I'll be your host, coming to you from the second floor of the Duncan Student Center. Today I'm going to be talking about Notre Dame football. Notre Dame played Duke in a big game this week, coming off of a big loss against Ohio State. And coming off of a loss like that, it's tough to get back emotionally and playing on the field. I'm sure Notre Dame had a long week of practice after a game like that, All players want to get back on the field, and they just can't wait to do it. With the way that the game ended for Notre Dame last week, it was tough. The game was in your hands, and they lost it on basically the last play. The defense played great besides the last drive. They gave up a fourth and 16, or a third and 19, excuse me. And then that last run was just truly a killer with 10 people on the field. It's tough to come back from that. I'm sure Notre Dame had a long week of practice, but after that week of practice, I'm sure that the team was dying to get on the field and just show that they are the same team 2 weeks ago before Ohio State that was 3 and 0 and that they just want to get back and almost steamroll Duke. That was that was probably the goal. So getting into the first game, uh, the game against Duke, the first drive was awesome. I love the fake punt call by Marcus Freeman. I think it shows the message that, you know, we're not going to back down. We're not going to let this game come to us. We're going to go get it. And that went out. They went out, faked the punt on the first drive, and it worked. Notre Dame had a good drive going, too. It stalled out, which was unfortunate. But the fake punt sent that message to the team that, hey, we're going to get this. And it got topped off by an Aldrick SMA touchdown, put the Irish up 7 to nothing. That was a great start for Notre Dame. After that, it was really similar to Ohio State. It was a slow-paced game. It was kind of a field positioning-based game. No one could really cash in on anything. I think Hartman struggled again in quarters one through three. I, The problem with, I have with this is Sam Hartman, as old as he is, he's experienced. He's more experienced than any quarterback besides Bo Nix in college football. And You'd expect him to be in these in these games where you know I know what I'm getting from him, and it almost seems like he was like a sophomore or a freshman in this game. He didn't make any costly mistakes, but you expect a quarterback who's th- that old to go on the road and be able to put up a lot of points, which he did not do, and he didn't do that last week either. I'm not in love with Hartman's performance over the past two weeks. He's one and one over the past two weeks. I think he did enough in the Ohio State game with the way the defense was playing. But you go in the transfer portal, you get a guy like Sam Hartman, you don't expect him to do enough. You want him to do even more. You want to go above and beyond, which he hasn't done in the past couple of weeks. So I think looking forward to like US, U, the USC games and the Clemson games, you want Hartman to really jump on the defense early on and just don't take your foot off the gas. I want 35 points in those games. USC obviously not a great defense, but Clemson has a good defense, and I I think people are overlooking Clemson right now as a team. Dabo Sweeney is still a great coach, and if you underestimate them, you're probably going to pay the price. So I think for Sam Hartman, it's important that he gets out on them and gets an early start to show that, hey, I'm going to put up points. I'm more experienced than you. I know what I'm doing, and there's nothing you can do about it. I think Sam Hartman really needs to embrace that role and use the weapons that he has because he has good weapons. He may not have had good weapons against Duke with the wide receivers being out, Jaden Thomas and Jaden Greathouse both being out. But he, he used Mitch Evans, I'll give him that, but you expect more from a guy like Sam Hartman. Now, the run game. The run game, besides about one run at the end of the game that sealed it for Notre Dame, was very bad. It stalled out the entire day. Audrey Customer really didn't have anywhere to go. I felt like he was running straight into the line. The line he was running into the lineman's back and then he would push forward for about three yards. That just can't happen with a team like Notre Dame. You know, you, you pride yourself on being physical and you go on the road. People underestimate physicality in the game of football almost. They fall in love with the the offensive offensive passing it's the the flashy version of football almost once they see that they think oh that's how i have to play the game but no if you can control the line of scrimmage a lot of things can happen for you which essentially lead to the flashy pass game stuff like play action but Notre Dame couldn't really control the line of scrimmage from the run game perspective which didn't help Notre Dame's cause it almost felt like Notre Dame when they needed to go out and get three or four yards, they couldn't because they Audric Estime had nowhere to run. Uh, luckily, Audric Estime is a great power back and can push forward for about three to four yards, no matter who's in front of him. But you're going to have to looking down the line, you're going to have to run more. And looking forward to USC, you don't want to throw the ball all the time because you don't want to give Caleb Williams that much time. You want to run the ball, be able to run efficiently. Keep Caleb Williams on the sideline and you can have a very productive drive. Get seven points, kill five minutes of time. And Caleb Williams doesn't have the ball for those five minutes. He, he may go score in those two minutes, but then you just put more drives on him. Keep the defense gassed. And Caleb Williams can't do anything. So that's just looking down the road for USC. And then Notre Dame didn't have many receivers this game. Thankfully, Mitch Evans was awesome. Mitch Evans had over a a hundred yards easily. And he was their go-to guy on that last drive. I think he had a third and 10, maybe it was, he was, he was the go-to guy and it was Sam Hartman for, to have a receiver like that, a tight end. It's, it's very nice for Sam Hartman because Mitch Evans is a big guy and you can't miss him. And Mitch Evans shows that if you put it near him, he'll catch it. He's shown that the past two weeks with Ohio state and Duke, but Hey, Mitch Evans carried the load this week. Props to him. And then the special teams, it's got to get cleaned up. It felt like last year the special teams were awesome. They felt like they were blocking punts left and right. And now it seems like they're not even close to blocking punts this year. I don't know. Maybe that was just a really lucky thing last year. But one thing that gets me out of my seat every time is missed kicks. If you miss a kick from 40 yards, I know the Notre Dame kicker Schrader has a boot. And it almost feels like sometimes he's just trying to aim it too much. he He has a very strong leg. I'm pretty sure he can kick it about 60 yards at full strength. But he's missing from about 35, 40 yards. That just can't happen. So Notre Dame needs to get those special teams cleaned up. That's the third aspect of the game. And sometimes that's what decides the game. And if you have that and you control one other facet of the game, you're in great shape to go on and win. And then on the other side of the ball, the defense the defense played amazing. Duke had this hyped-up quarterback, Riley Leonard, who was supposedly going to be a first-round pick. I don't know if I saw that out of him before the injury. I hope he's okay. That ankle looked pretty bad getting rolled up on. But from what I saw, I was not impressed with him throwing the football. I know he's a great runner. He's a big guy. He gave Notre Dame some problems in the third quarter with running the ball, but in the first quarter, Notre Dame had him red. There was nowhere to go with the ball. There there was nothing to do with it, and Notre Dame exposed the Duke offense, essentially. I expected this game to be not necessarily a defensive battle, but not an offensive battle either. I expected you know a 24-21 win by somebody, but Notre Dame really made it into a defensive battle, and the offense didn't pick up the slack to run away with the game. If Notre Dame puts up two more touchdowns in the first half, then Notre Dame runs away with that game, no problem, which they didn't do, though. They kept Notre Dame's offense let Duke stick around, and Duke's defense is no joke either. Don't get me wrong, but Notre Dame should have probably put up 25, 30 points on them. But the stars of the defense are Howard Cross and Marist, the linebacker. Howard Cross had two sacks, I believe, and a forced fumble at the end of the game, which which is amazing. Marcus Freeman talks about his motor. He's a very motivated guy, and you could see that on the field on Saturday. There was just no stopping him when it came to the Duke's offensive line. He, He probably saved us from a loss. I don't know. Notre Dame was in a great position to seal the game, but... Ever since I watched that Patrick Mahomes drive in the divisional round against the Bills, I never feel comfortable until the defense gets a stop and the opposing offense is off the field. That's It's, it's such an offensive-minded game today that anything can happen, and you never feel comfortable until the game's over and your team's taking the knee to win. And that's what Howard Cross allowed them to do. And then the second star is Marist the linebacker number eight, he felt I felt like he was flying around the entire field the whole game. Every time a Duke receiver got it or a Duke running back got the edge, it felt like Maris cut him off immediately and made the tackle, which was awesome. It's so it's with Notre Dame not being able to tackle as well as they used to be in the secondary, if a linebacker can get out into the flats and deep down the field and make a tackle, it's such a help for these cornerbacks because cornerbacks don't want to tackle. That's breaking news to anybody that didn't know that, but cornerbacks do not want to tackle, and any Mar- like someone like Marist or any linebacker that can get out there is being a huge help to the defense. And then the last part of the game, the final drive, was that was amazing. Backs against the wall, Sam Harmon delivers. That's what you expect out of a quarterback you get from the transfer portal with so much experience. That's the drive I was telling all my friends while I was watching the game. You know, Bryce Young, you know, is going to score on this drive. If you get someone like a Heisman, like Caleb Williams, you know he's going to score on that drive. A Heisman level quarterback will score on that drive. And going into that drive, if you score, you know you have a the right quarterback and you can do some special things this year. If you don't drive, this season's on the brink of collapse almost. Two straight losses, you're losing any type of momentum with, you know, the transfer portal, you get Sam Hartman. There's so much hype going into this offseason that if you lose two games, you're done. There's no coming back from this. I mean, you may beat USC and Clemson, but you're not doing anything in the playoffs or on the national scope. You're not going to impact anything. You may get into a New York New Year Six Bowl, but you're not going for the ultimate goal of the national championship. So that win meant so much to Notre Dame because now if they win out, it's a tough road to the playoffs with the way the Big 12 and the Pac 12 are playing out right now. But if you win out, you'd like to think that you're going to get in. Now, you know, you can't really think about that right now. Notre Dame just has to win out, think about themselves. And once you get down the line, say you do win out, then you start to pray for, you know, I want this team to lose, I want this team to lose so we can sneak into the playoffs. But you can't worry about that right now. You have too many good teams on the schedule. And coming up, you got Louisville who's no joke. They can put points on the board. I know they only put 13 against against NC State, but they played them on the road like we did. It was a close game. NC State was also a close game until the rain delay, but you know, I think the rain delay helped Notre Dame in the fact that all the students left, the crowd left. That place was bumping during the first quarter, I believe it was, until they delayed the game. But I don't know. If that rain delay doesn't happen, who knows the way the end, the game ends. But Louisville went in there, same thing. The stadium was was awesome. And Louisville pulled out the win after being being down, I think, 10-0. to 0. So Louisville knows how to win, and they have a veteran quarterback too, Jake Plummer, who Marcus Freeman said they're gonna try everything they can do to disrupt his his train of thought, but he's a really experienced quarterback like Sam Hartman, so he's gonna be able to see what's going on. He's seen mo- majority of these defenses. I believe he's been with three teams in three years, so not exactly the path of Sam Hartman, but hey. If you're playing football, you're playing football. That's going to help you in the long run. And Plummer found a home in Louisville. They're five and zero. A win's a win. I don't care who you're playing. And you know, you come into this game. You're five and zero. It's a prime time game, and you're dying for an upset. If you win this, you're you're in a great position to make a run at the a- in the ACC. Who knows, Louisville? You know, historically they've had really fast quarterbacks, this almost seems like a different type of year for Louisville. They have a more pocket passer type quarterback. But, hey, if you look at the running back position, the the running back averages 7.7 yards a rush. That's no joke. 7.7 yards, that's a lot. So if you're Notre Dame, you got to stuff the run. I think the keys of the game lie in the defense, as always. I think the defensive line, if you can get up there, Force Plummer to throw the ball early, and then you can stuff the run. Nothing's going to get going for Louisville. The more you let Plummer sit back there and pick you apart and can get it to these quick, shifty receivers, it's not going to be good for Notre Dame's defense. But if you can force pressure onto him, you're going to be in a great position. And now moving off of Notre Dame, we're going to take a look in the college football landscape just around the country. The top 25 was shaken up, or I should say the top 10 was shaken up after Utah was taken down at Oregon State. Oregon State, again, transfer portal. It almost seems like I'm saying transfer portal against about every team because it's true now. Every team dips into the transfer portal in some way. But Oregon State went into the transfer portal, got DJ Uyunglele from Clemson, who I think was given a bad rap at Clemson. Clemson hasn't it it was a tough situation for him to almost flip everything after Trevor Lawrence. It was it was tough. I think DJ, he didn't deserve that. He didn't deserve that that uh that rap that he got. But he he's doing well at Oregon State. I mean, he just beat Utah, a top ten team. I know Utah didn't have Cam rising, but their quarterbacks have been playing for five games now or four games. And that's that's experience. And the Utah team is very talented. They're a top-ten team. They're a well-coached team. And Oregon State, to take them down, that's really good for their program. Just coming off a loss, too. I know Oregon State really controlled the line of scrimmage. And they, Utah, Oregon State, look out. Look out for them. They're playing well. And then next, we got USC and Colorado. Uh, Caleb Williams is awesome, again. Caleb Williams, I believe, had six touchdown passes. I cannot stop talking highly about Caleb Williams because he's awesome. He his arm strength is amazing. His, his improvising skills awesome. He's a great quarterback and he played amazing. I know he threw one pick, but you know, whatever. It's Caleb Williams. You throw six touchdowns, I think you can deal with one interception. But Colorado also played surprisingly well. You know, USC. Going into Colorado, Colorado, the first, I believe it was three weeks, they started 3-0, and then they hit a rough patch of Oregon and USC. But, I mean, Colorado played well. They only lost by seven points. They had a little little comeback at the end there that no one really expected. Um, the defense, I think, is where Colorado needs to step up the D-line in specific terms and the O-line, obviously. I think Colorado has the skill position to to uh, to play with anybody. Travis Hunter wasn't even playing this week, and Travis Hunter is probably one of the most talented players in all of college football. But, I mean, Colorado, they stuck it to Ohio, to USC, and USC played awesome in the first half. Felt like they were going to run away with it, but they didn't. And Colorado made a pay for it by not running away with it, and they kept it close, but USC still beat them. That's really all that matters for USC. USC, um, they got Notre Dame in two weeks, I believe it is. And USC's defense is not looking mighty right now. So i will talk about it in a couple of weeks, but Notre Dame's got to take advantage of that. I don't want to overlook Louisville. They're a good team. But once you get to that matchup against USC, there's going to be a lot of points on the board given Lincoln, Ly- Lincoln Riley, at coach, and Caleb Williams at quarterback. So defense has got to get ready. Offense has also got to get ready to put a lot of points on the board just to win that game. It almost feels like it's going to be a shootout, and whoever has the last drive is probably going to win the game. And then next we got Kentucky took on Florida over the weekend, and Kentucky destroyed Florida. Florida could not stop the run at all. I know Kentucky's undefeated, and they just got ranked this week. Florida came off a big win at home against Tennessee, and the stage was just coming off of that. You you kind of always knew that this was going to be a, a tough week for Florida, and Kentucky's a good team. Florida's probably, if you give them a neutral site game, I don't know who wins the game. Home field advantage definitely played a big role in this game. But I don't know if you if you put him in neutral sight. I don't know if you could pick against Kentucky because Kentucky didn't do anything special. They just ran them over, essentially. Kentucky had their running back. They had, I think he had over 230 yards, maybe. I don't know the exact number, but he almost set a new school record. And I know he was well into the 200-yard mark at halftime, which is not a good look for the Florida defense. And – There's not much else to say about this game. Kentucky just ran over Florida. Kentucky's got Georgia next week, so that'll be an interesting game to see if Kentucky can have that same control of the line of scrimmage as they did against Florida. My gut's probably telling me not, so I think that'll go in Georgia's favor. SEC games are always tough to win, and that was pretty evident in Georgia at Auburn this week. You know, going into it, on paper, you see Georgia number one, Auburn unranked. I don't even know who the Auburn coach is, me personally. And Auburn put up a fight. They only lost by seven. So, you know, home field advantage is a big thing down south in the SEC. And there's no easy game, barring a couple teams in the SEC. But Auburn almost won this game, and... No one really seems to be talking about it because Georgia's the two-time reigning national champion. I, I hear everyone talk about this. You know, Georgia shouldn't be ranked number one in the AP poll, but who should? I mean, no, one, no one's shown anything that's, oh, yeah, this is the number one team in the country. I mean, maybe you could argue Texas. You beat Alabama. You beat them there, which is very good. You can't take that away from anybody. But... Alabama's not all that this year, and I don't know Texas. They've shown at times they can, you know, fall asleep. They didn't this week against Kansas. They destroyed them, but Kansas's quarterback was hurt. So Texas, I think, is an interesting team. Michigan, I, Michigan doesn't play anybody. That's the problem. You can't evaluate them if they don't play anybody good. Michigan, you got Ohio State at the end of the year. It almost seems like their their schedule gets more difficult as it goes on but it you don't know who Michigan is until week like 10 of the year and i just i don't feel comfortable putting them at 1 florida state you beat lsu that's a good win there's no set number 1 team i don't if there was an option to put nobody there i would because i really don't know georgia georgia i i can make sense of putting them at 1 but they haven't looked awesome. They just beat Auburn by seven points. You know, winning the SEC it's tough. And Kirby Smart said that before the game. He was like, "You know, going it's a SEC game. You're on the road. You're gonna have to put everything you got to just to come out with a win this game." And I don't, I don't know. I mean, if you put Georgia at one, there's gonna be critics. But I mean, there's nobody else to put a number one. Carson Beck. He's growing up. I'll, I'll say that. I think this was an important game for him. He played well in the last couple of minutes, but you know, I expect only better things from him from here on out. After that game, going into, I'm sure that was a tough game for him going into Auburn. That's a hostile environment, but you know, that's a good win. If if you got Brock Bowers on your team, you basically want to target him every single down. 'Cause he is a beast. I mean, he may be a tight end, but he's a big receiver. He can get he can get separation between any anybody who's guarding him. It could be a corner, a linebacker, I don't care who it is. He's gonna get open and he's got awesome hands. You talk about Mitch Evans having awesome hands, Brock Bowers has arguably but better hands. And you know, he's unguardable. There's a reason that he's the number one tight end this year and probably last year too. And Michael Mayer was at Notre Dame, and I'm a big Michael Mayer fan, but Brock Bowers is very good. He's a pro tight end, and it'll be interesting to see where his career goes. But the game of the week was Ole Miss versus LSU, and Lane Kiffin had the boys shooting this week. Tons of points, which you expect to see from an Ole Miss offense led by Lane Kiffin and Jackson Dart. But LSU, I don't LSU's they it almost seems like they do this they did this last year I feel like they got off to a slow start and then they really started to kick things up at the end of the year they beat Bama last year which is a good good kickstart to the Brian Kelly era you know Brian Kelly coming from Notre Dame not a huge fan of him leaving but I mean if you're given a lot of money to go to LSU I, I would probably go to LSU too but um Some of the stuff he did with the Southern accent, not a fan of. I think he should stick to his normal accent. But, you know, you lose this game. That's two losses on the year, I believe. LSU lost to Florida State, and they lost to now Ole Miss. It's the same thing. SEC game, it's a tough game. You know it's going to be a high-scoring game, and LSU just couldn't pull it out. They were very close to pulling it out. I didn't watch this game because it conflicted with Notre Dame game, but it sounded like, LSU had a chance to call. They had one timeout left with, I think, 10 seconds, and they had the entire middle of the field open. That should be a no-brainer. You take the yards, get closer to the end zone, call timeout, and then throw it in the end zone. But it seemed like LSU just threw it in the end zone, trying to catch them off guard, didn't work, and then LSU was left hanging to dry on the last play, which they almost got at the end, too. But, you know, it's a tough one to draw for LSU. They shouldn't keep their heads held too low because 49 points on the road, they probably should have won that game. They didn't, but you got to move on. It's the SEC. You can't really take a week off. And then finally, the last game we'll look at was Clemson at Syracuse. Clemson, you know, they just came off a loss at home against Florida State. The last time Clemson lost at home, I don't even remember. It must have been that long, that long ago. But, you know, they have two losses on the year. They lost at Duke, and then they lost at home last week. All the media was like, you know, Clemson's not the same. But I, I'm i a big Cade Klubnik fan. I think Cade's pretty good. I think if you give him the right stuff, the right, the right players around him, he will thrive. Someone like Will Shipley is very good. If you get him the ball, good things are going to happen. And the Clemson defense is always the Clemson defense. You know, they're they're going to come out and play. They're going to play hard, which was on show against Syracuse. Clemson was in control this entire game. There was no doubt that Clemson was going to win this game. It almost seemed like people thought Syracuse was going to win the game because Clemson, they're not the same. Oh, Syracuse is going to come win this at home. No, that didn't happen. Dabo Sweeney put everything to bed. He went out. He got the team the team ready to play and they won. Which is which is probably what I expected, but the media didn't think that was gonna happen because oh Clemson's not good this year. But Clemson is Clemson still. They're a physical team. That's gonna be a tough game for Notre Dame. And you know, looking ahead on the schedule, you got USC, Clemson, Louisville's no pushover. Um, I think Notre Dame should win this game at Louisville. I know the spread's six and a half points. I think Notre Dame should cover that. It's a tough game again. I don't know if Louisville's going to bring a huge crowd out. I would hope they are. It's a night game. So this is the game that you expect Sam Hartman to play very well in. You know, he's a very old quarterback, very experienced. Old in terms of college, obviously. But, you know, you expect him... You expect Notre Dame to go out, control the line of scrimmage, run the ball well, and then when necessary, you do a play action, you throw it over the top, and Sam Hartman throws a perfect ball. That's that's the perfect vision of this week. The defense, I think, has their hands full, obviously, but it's nothing that the defense can't handle. You know, Louisville, you're 5-0, yes, but there's only so much you can do when Notre Dame has just better players it's the same as duke you know the energy in that stadium gave those players so much more energy like so much more you know i i'm going to go out and do this than notre dame's players did so i i don't know if louisville stadium is going to do that i don't know if louisville fills up their stadium very well but i would ex- if i'm notre dame i would expect a big stadium because you're a top 10 team in the country and everybody wants to beat you If you're a top-ten team in the country, no matter when you go on the road, you're going to get a lot of fans that are going to come to that game to watch you and see if their team can beat you. So Notre Dame cannot take this game lightly with USC right after it. You can't really look at USC. I know Notre Dame's probably not looking at that after that Ohio State game. They probably just want to keep winning. And then, you know, it's a next-man-up mentality. You know, I'm going to beat you, who's next? I'm going to beat you, who's next? That's what Notre Dame needs right now. And, you know, it starts with Louisville. And they got to go out. They got to get the win. If they win handily, that will make make a lot of Irish fans at ease almost. You know, this team's back. Like, after you get over the hump at Duke, you know, it's only smooth sailing after that. It almost felt like that Duke game was – you know, this This is the week after one of the toughest losses in Notre Dame history. This is, you know, this is going to be a tough game. We just have to come out. We have to find a way to win, which they did. And after that, you know, you're over the hump, and it's just Louisville, boom, done. USC, that's going to be a tough game, but you find a way to win, then one and, one and the other. After that, it'll be smooth sailing. But, you know, we're going to find that out on Saturday night. So it'll be interesting. So, I think it's a 7:30 kickoff. I hope everyone tunes in and I'll you know, I'll get this this podcast up and I'll do it the same next week. So, thank you for tuning in. This is the fifth down. My name's Luke Collins and thanks for tuning in.